where we are sharing one of the other exciting stories and that's the story of the Christian church and I think last week I took a wee bit time at the beginning uh, by the way I've got these sheets for those that missed last week and you can pick these up uh, before you go and I've got other sheets to be given out maybe somebody could give these out on the other side if you like thanks Daniel and uh, if you want you can fill in the blanks yourself if you don't want there'll be ten on the table there all filled in for you but sometimes it's good to fill some things in sometimes helps your memory but if you haven't got a pen with you don't worry there's ten sheets I'll put on the table that'll all be filled in but last week we were thinking about this purpose driven church and it was called surfing a spiritual wave so I do an illustration and we spoke about a place like Tyree which is famous for its surfing competitions that it has and what we're trying to say is there's, there's things that you learn about surfing but one thing they'll never teach you and that is how to make a surfable wave that's done by the Lord, by the, the elements, by the wind and what have you and if there's not a surfable wave then you're not surfing that particular day what we're actually saying is that this is something that God does spiritually. That God is the one who provides a, really a wave of power. A wave of revival. A wave of receptivity when people become really receptive to the gospel. I think I mentioned last week that D.L. Moody, when he had his great big campaigns in America, it was at a time of terrible economic downhill. So very often God uh, uses the opportunity that the world gets itself into to be an opportunity for the church to find out what is happening in our world. What is God doing? What kind of wave is flowing through that I can ride upon and really use that wave to the glory of the gospel? And so we mentioned uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6 last week. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. And we were trying to emphasize last week the sovereignty of God in all this. That, that we are not the ones that provide the growth. We're not actually saying to God, Lord, how do we make waves? <laughs> and some people do make waves in church life. <laughs> That's not what we're asking. We're not asking, how do you make waves? We're saying, Lord, how can we recognize the waves that you are already making in your world, in your church? How can we recognize that? And that's what this series is about, the purpose-driven church, to recognize what God is doing and to ride on that and to go with it, to be in the flow of what God is doing by his Holy Spirit. Another thing that we said was important was to, to learn to get off the dying wave. If a wave is dying, we don't want to be surfing on that anymore. We're going to get off that. And that's not as easy as you think. If you ever see surfers trying to get off a wave, and sometimes they're overwhelmed by the water trying to get off a wondering of dying wave. And we said that the question to ask is not how can our church grow, but what is stopping our church growing? And the important thing was health and not growth. A healthy church will grow. If that church is healthy, if that church is receiving from God and dipping into the word of God and applying the word of God to a person's life, that church will grow. God will provide the growth. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase is what Paul was saying. So that's important. So the key issue for the 21st century is not church growth in a sense, because that was a, a key issue back in the last century, 20th century. The key issue is church health. How healthy is your spiritual life? 
how healthy is the church's life. And Paul mentions in Colossians 2.19, he has lost, this person who is after the other idols and other angels to worship, he has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Here again in Colossians 2.19, Paul is emphasizing it's God that provides the growth. So we're looking to God, aren't we, for the growth. And the question for this morning is, what is, let me just get this here, what is, uh, what drives your church? That is the question for our thoughts this morning. What drives your church? Let's just have a word of prayer as we go into that this morning. Lord, we want to thank you for news of Maf and for Andy and for the wonderful way he was received and listened to and responded to. And we thank you, Lord, for the ongoing situation there, that there are other opportunities being granted. And we give you thanks for that. And we pray about the coffee shop, Lord. We just ask you, Father, that, that you would enter into all these negotiations that are going on and we, we see that the goalposts have been changed and things are happening that don't seem to be right. But, Lord, you're the one that knows the end from the beginning and we just want to lean upon the everlasting arms we we want that overflow of wisdom and understanding and knowledge to come to us that we might know exactly what to do in that situation so we give you thanks Lord that no matter how we come this morning and some come with all kinds of baggage that we can just leave it at the foot of your cross we thank you Lord you're the one who heals and restores that you're the one who touches each of our lives and we just pray for that fresh touch from the spirit even this morning as we come to these things we give you thanks and we give you praise in the wonderful name of Jesus hallelujah what a saviour amen amen now this morning we're going to be thinking about what drives your church let me just grab one of these wee sheets any sheets left there oh there's one here that's fine that's really good because we'll read the scriptures together now when we're thinking about what drives your church we're thinking about five areas God wants the church to grow there are five areas of growth we need to see and you'll see it up there on the screen God wants to grow warmer through fellowship fellowship is an important aspect in the church's life it's not just having a wee cup of tea and having a wee chat over a cup of tea fellowship is something even more important than that I think even just having the coffee shop open and all getting our hands dirty and getting in there and doing the work there that too adds to our fellowship in the Lord so warmer through fellowship deeper through discipleship God wants us to be discipled together and the part of that, I mean, Alpha is great for that too. And sometimes there's things happen after Alpha that helps in our growing in our discipleship, being a learner of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God wants us to go deeper through discipleship, stronger through worship. Worship is a tremendous thing for strengthening our relationship to the Lord. And God wants that to be stronger in the church's life. And broader through ministry. And we're not thinking about just the ministry of our minister, but every one of us has got a gift or gifts from the Lord. I always remember in my church in uh, Peebles, it was a terrible time in a sense with one particular man. He was a retired minister with a chip on his shoulder. There's nothing worse than a retired minister with a chip on his shoulder. And he never got into any Baptist church. They wouldn't actually have him. He ended up going down south and he ended up being a, an RE teacher in some school but he, he's always kind of hated Baptist ministers. I don't know what's wrong with, with him. But you know, when I said to the congregation that we're all ministers and we've all got gifting we've all to use that gifting 
I got a letter from him by Tuesday morning. I got letters nearly every week from him, criticising my sermons. So this letter came in on Tuesday saying, you are totally wrong, there is one minister, he's the upfront guy, and everybody else is to listen to him and do what he says. And, and I just stopped replying to his letters. Never even st- replied to any of his letters. But he would meet every Sunday, he would listen to what you had to say, and then criticise you by Tuesday. A great upbuilder, isn't it? To get a criticism every Tuesday. But to try and talk about being broader through ministry for him, it just washed over his head completely. He was brought up in a, a situation where the minister was the key finger. And larger through evangelism. That evangelism is the means of sharing the gospel with the community. And the thing is, all these areas, these five areas, are important. And you may be asking the question, where do we see these five areas? And the answer is in this passage here in Acts chapter 2, 42-47. Let's just read it together, shall we, today? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had named. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Exciting, isn't it? The beginning of the church. The birthday of the church. And all these five are represented in those, those verses. I won't go into that in detail. That can happen sometime later. And Graham will maybe be sharing about sometime later. But they're all there in that wonderful passage. Note two things about verse 47, that last verse. There are two things you'll see there. God added the growth. You see it there again? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's coming up again and again. Apollos, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. Here it is again. The Lord added to their number. And that Colossians passage, they began to grow as God gave them the freedom to grow. God was behind this. We've got to give God his place. We've got to give God his honour. We're not trying to make ways. We're not trying to stir up anything. Or cause anything to happen. Unless God is in it. And we're learning again and again. This is God's tremendous work. Church health it says. Can only be healthy. When our message is biblical. And when our mission is balanced. It can only be healthy as a church if we are biblical, if we are based upon the Word of God. If you love the Word of God and you're into the Word of God, you get to know the Word of God, that's so important. But it's so important, our mission is balanced. Those five things that we have there in some churches, I'm not saying in this one at all, but in some churches there are those folk who are, well, we're into fellowship actually. We need to do a lot of work on the fellowship. Other people say, well, we're into evangelism. We want to see the church evangelizing. And really that's the most important of these things. Some people say, well, it's actually the ministry of the church and everybody exercising their gifts. The truth is they're all important. And a mission that's balanced gives equal importance to every one of these five. And when you get a strategy, when you get something coming together that does that kind of thing then great things happen. Not people emphasizing one against the other, but all five. 
And that takes something. We have to be able to do that. And what we're going to look at now is a verse from Proverbs 19.21. Can you say it with me? Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now let's just think about this word. What drives your church? What do we mean by the word drives? We're meaning there, what is the controlling force? What is the controlling assumption? What is the directing conviction? It may be unknown. Perhaps there's, it's not even been voiced. And it hasn't even been voted on. But there's something driving each church. And we have to say, well, what really is it? What we're going to look at now are really six things that drive a church. And the first one there is tradition. Tradition says, we have always done it this way. Have you ever heard that before? We have always done it this way, and this is the way it's got to be. Selwyn Hughes uh, years ago said, when the church gets raptured, one day the church is going to be taken up to meet the Lord in the air. What will be the last words of the church, Selwyn Hughes says? Quite simply, we have never done it this way before. (laughs) The tradition... And tradition can be a terrible thing because tradition can see negativity and stagnation as stability. If nothing changes, that's fine. We're stable. But don't please rock the boat if ever you want to do that. And it's so important that you have this. I read a story in this book I just finished about this wife who gave her husband a violin. And he got this violin and he just played one note. And she was getting that every day. And it was driving her nuts. Absolutely nuts. Now the husband was a very uh, uh, sensitive creature. He just sort of flew off the handle quite easily. And she had to try and break break to him that she had been to a concert. And she had seen this guy moving up and down the the stem, whatever you call it, in a violin, up and down. And she tried to break it to her husband. She says, look, husband, I, I just need to tell you, I've been to a concert. And they were moving up and down the thing. She says, that just goes to show they haven't found the place. And I've found it. <laughs> just, <laughs> it wouldn't change. Just that one note. And one of the wonderful things about the Church of Christ is that we do know that God has things happening in their lives, and the church's life, and it involves change. It involves things that will happen, and we have to be willing to do that. The second thing that some churches are driven by is personality. Or personalities. And sometimes that personality becomes the driving force of that church's life. And what actually happens is the personalities, weaknesses as well, or their assumptions become the way that the church actually moves. And that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing if the church hangs on a personality regarding the driving force for that church. It's so important. And sometimes the key person is not a leader up front, but somebody else in the congregation. In my church in Dunoon, I had a terrible time in the first three years. There were two guys in the church who became self-appointed elders. Now in the church at that time, what you did was you took these... uh, If somebody wanted to be an elder in the church, you took it to the fellowship. And this all happened before I came to the church. I was there for 13 years. This happened before I came. And they went before the church. And the church did not vote the two-thirds that was required for them to be elders. But we are still elders, they said. And they had this following. And they were doing terrible things in the church's life. 
they were going out uh, throwing out the demons out of people's lives and, and they were telling folk to be sick into a basin and I would go around visiting my old folk and, and they'd be saying pastor I'm really frightened I said what's, what's making you frightened I couldn't be sick into a basin they were asking me to be sick into a basin and that was the kind of stuff that I was having to deal with in those days and these two characters had a following within the church and sometimes there are driving forces happen in church life that are not all that good and sometimes we have to be aware that the background the agenda sometimes is determined by the background needs and the insensitivities of some other person in the church life and we have to say we can't cannot be driven by personalities it's got to be by the Lord not by a given personality from the front or somebody else in the congregation who's got a particular bent in a certain direction and that's the way the whole church is going to go and sometimes we have to fight that and make sure the Lord has his place that we're biblical and we're balanced the third thing a church can go is it's finances it seems sort of strange to say that but sometimes the, the only question that people ask when you want to change or you want to do things, how much will it cost? <laughs> and in church life, all the years I've been in church life there are folks who hold the purse strings and they're, they're terrible for releasing anything for the Lord's work how much is it going to cost? that's going to cost too much and all that kind of thing so churches that start in faith as the driving force then end up with finances and sometimes that kind of thing can hold back the word of God. Now we're not in church life to make a profit. And money is important. Sometimes we need to talk about that. Our stewardship before the Lord of our time, our talents and our resources. All that kind of thing is so important. But that's not the driving force of a church's life. The driving force is not finances. How much will it cost? Because the Lord has a wonderful way of supplying churches as you have I'm sure discovered already that when the Lord gives the vision and the people move forward on the direction of God I don't know how it all works but I just know it happens the money comes in I can tell a church cost 1.8 million pounds I know that Kirky Church is a bit different from, from this one here. We have a, we have a, a fun day, a, a day, a giving day, or a giving weekend. 30 odd thousand pounds each weekend we have it. It only happens twice in a year. And we're now got, we're down to 30 odd thousand pounds, from 1.8 million to 30 odd thousand pounds. But I reckon one gift day will finish the whole building. Now I'm not saying every church can be like that. But I look around, I know, I know a lot of the folks in the church and I say, I just wonder where it all comes from. That God so moves the congregation that they want to see this whole building project finish. I just know God can do it. I just know it can happen. I went to Woodhill. Uh, I'll, I'll mention that in a wee, bit, a wee bit in a minute here because sometimes we've got to realise that finance is not everything in church. But God can move a church forward and can provide this. The fourth thing is programs. Some churches are governed by programs. There are things on in the church's life. And instead of what happens if you're governed by programs is instead of developing people, you end up filling positions. We've got all these programs in the church and we want to fill these positions. It results in a program, as the programs diminish, the people involved begin to blame themselves. Why is that program not working? It must be because of me. Now in America, 
over in America, I was over there a few times, and a lot of the Baptist churches in America, driven by program, program after program after program. And you say to this other pastor, what's your program this week? What is your church doing as a program? And developing programs, and trying to get people to fill the programs. And it's even been known, there's a great old skit at, um, what's it from Willow Creek, Bill Hybels tells, of the guy getting up front to fill the positions in September. And he says, he gets a wee girl up front and says, my dear, do you realise that there's going to be nobody to take your class this coming September? And this wee girl's almost in tears, you know. And all, after she's finished with this wee girl, there's a flood of tears and, and folk are fleeing forward and saying, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And they weren't really wanting to do it. But because of the, the way that the minister was putting it forward, this wee girl in tears because there was nobody to do her class. And all that kind of thing is, what drives the church? And perhaps there are some programs that just need to die. I was in one church in America, and it's quite unusual because the pastor said, we had a, a kind of funeral service. I said, what kind of funeral service? He says, one of our organizations died, and we gave thanks to God. It was finished. And I just wish that some churches that I've been in over my years said, let it die. It's got to die because I've got something new that I want to do. There's something different I want to do. And sometimes it takes that, it has to die before it really happens. So there's program driven church. And then number five, there's building driven church. Winston Churchill once said, we shape our buildings and then they shape us. That's true, isn't it? We, we, have our, we do our buildings and they begin to shape our lives. And, and sometimes that kind of thing can happen. I, I know in Kirky with this new building and all this kind of things, we're, we're doing well, we're inviting folk to come around and see the building and what have you. And, and you can become building orientated. You know, I thought our church was fantastic in Kirky. I was speaking at Woodhill Evangelical Church. It's better. Ah, fantastic. I never even knew there was a church like Little Evangelical Church. I heard about it. I said, This is fantastic. I said, How much would, you don't, I mean, I mean, me asking, how much would all this cost? He said, About two million. Two million, two million pounds. And what a science. It seats over 300. And, and they've got more rooms than Kirky Baptist. And they have a cafe every day called The Hub. Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday, I can't remember which, Monday to Saturday. They have two lunch clubs a week, not once a month like our humble abode. <laughs> they have two lunch clubs for over 40 odd people every week, uh, a Tuesday and a Friday. That was at one of the lunch clubs doing a, a gospel magic presentation, playing my accordion as well. A great time. I said, what a fantastic church. And yet, we're not driven by buildings. You can have a place meeting like this. Some folk coming before the Lord, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. And God can, God shook the world with twelve, maybe even eleven. Well, my fires can be made at twelve. God shook the world with twelve. And sometimes they can get so building oriented. This is the kind of building. In America, again, they get, they get caught on buildings. There was a friend of mine who was a missionary. And he said to me, do you know in the place that I lived, I think it was uh, South Carolina, there was a church, a new church was built, and their steeple was higher than the other churches. So the other church got the steeple extended, <laughs> so it was higher. <laughs> crazy, absolutely crazy. That building, my steeple needs to be higher than your steeple, and, and then there's First Baptist. And this woman says, we're not into any sort of personalities, but we always go to First Baptist. We always go. And there's this thing about being First Baptist. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day, but people are driven by buildings, and, and sometimes it ends up, the tail ends up wagging the dog. 
In other situations, churches allow the smallness of their building to hold them back. This is a very historic building. This is just a small work that we're doing, and the Lord will bless it. And sometimes we need to say, well, that's not the way ahead. God's got something else in store. So either a big building can keep you back or some small building that's not adequate for the reaching to the community and the things that God wants to do. And sometimes they have to take bold steps. Then you come to number six, churches driven by events. I've been in churches like this. I've been responsible for it as well. There's something on nearly every night of the week. You ever heard of churches like that? And the people are just exhausted there's a wee saying that says Mary had a little lamb she also had a sheep and then she joined a Baptist church and died of lack of sleep (laughs) (laughs) that could be any church (laughs) that could be any church but sometimes churches are driven by events there's a lot of activity but not necessarily a lot of productivity and that's the important thing There's a lot of activity, but not a lot of productivity. A church may be busy without having a clear purpose for what it does. Somebody needs to ask, what's the purpose behind each of these events? What's the purpose? Attendance can so easily become the sole measurement of faithfulness and maturity. The fact that they're attending, they must be faithful and they must be mature. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. We need to attend. It's good to be. You're the church, not the building. But attendance is not the most important thing. We must be wary of the tendency to allow the meetings to replace the ministry. And some folk can you minister because there are so many meetings. We need to say, Lord, just show us as a body of believers how we minister in your name without getting caught up in 101 meetings. And some meetings will have to die for that ministry to have. Now we could go on, but what we need our church is obviously driven by purpose. The next slide, thank Purpose-driven churches. Not driven by personalities, or buildings, or finance, or any of the other things that were mentioned, but driven by God's eternal purpose. Personalities come and go. Finances go up and down. Buildings, people people get used to new buildings and they become old buildings after a while. And nobody really bothers about them after a while. But the purpose of God endures eternally. And we want to know what God is really saying. We need a clear process. There's two things essential that we require. One is a new perspective. Lord, just show us afresh what you want to do in this church. Give it a real perspective, not a perspective from the other things that people think about in church life, but from the Word of God, from your plan and your purpose. Will you please just show us your perspective and thing? And that's tremendous when we see it from God's point of view. And we've got our point of view about how the church ought to grow. Lord, will you just show us your point of view? Your perspective. And the other thing, of course, is a process. Lord, will you take us through a process? that show us the importance of the five things that we mentioned right at the very beginning. Give us a strategy. Give us a process that will take us through that. And that's the kind of thing that we're thinking about here along the way. A church, regardless of its size and location, can only become healthier and stronger and more effective by becoming a purpose-driven church. 
Paul teaches, look at this verse again, Paul teaches us here over the page in 1 Corinthians, you'll see over the page, we need a purpose-driven church at the top, two essential required, a new perspective and a process. And the scripture, so let's just read 1 Corinthians 3, 13 and 14. Let's read it together. His work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his word. Let's read the other two verses. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible is saying to us, Paul is saying in Corinthians, be careful how you build. How do you build on that foundation? If you build with hay and stubble, well the fire's going to come along and just burn up the effort. It has to be built on the foundation of Christ, on the purposes of God which are eternal. And as you build a church on that foundation, what you build will last the fiery trials and the persecutions and all that's coming. I hope you're praying for the Church of Scotland just now because they're having a bit of fire and that fire is going to come at the assembly and the, the, the important day is the 23rd of May. There are 5,000 signatures on the internet against what the editor of Life and Work has put in about homosexuality. This woman has exploded the whole issue by saying that the Evangelical Church of Scotland is bigoted, intolerant, unbiblical. You only emphasise Leviticus, all the rubbish. And the Evangelical Church has risen up. They've got 5,000 signatures. And they're going to go to the Church of Scotland Assembly this month. And they're going to say, we want you to uh, refuse to accept what that woman teaches in the life of much. She's actually stepping down. Uh, it's her last parting shot, as it were. She's stepping. We want you to stop that. Do not to listen to her and to speak against it. And there's a man who's now a minister in Aberdeen practicing homosexual. The first minister of the Church of Scotland has welcomed in Aberdeen. And they're actually saying to the church, we want you to have a, a rule, a motion, that no practicing homosexual will be a minister of the Church of Scotland. That is coming up. And it's going to cause a tremendous rumpus because it hasn't come up with the assembly before. And this is the kind of things that are going to come against the church. And if it's built on the foundation of Christ, not with hay and stubble and the kind of things that the world is throwing at us, but it's built on the eternal truth of the word of God, there's going to be eruptions. might even be a split for all I know. But I know this, the church of Christ will move on. The church of Christ will move on. And God is going to do something tremendous. That what Christ built, the foundation that he is, what is built on that foundation is going to last. And I'm thinking to myself, there must be other foundations that are not Christ. There are things being built on that foundation that are not going to stand the fire that's going to come. So pray for 23rd of May. That's when it's actually coming up. I got word about that from my sister Lone. Now, and look, let's just read this verse again, Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's, the Lord's purpose, that prevails. Isn't that a good verse? We've all got our plans. We've all got our emphases. The things that we want to see important to the church. Many are the plans in a, a man's heart, 
But it says here, it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And the last part here of our sheet is that in fact, until you know what the, how the church exists, there'll be no foundation. There'll be no foundation to build on. Until we know what the Lord's plans, why the church exists, there'll be no foundation. Secondly, there'll be no motivation. And there'll be no direction for ministry. There'll be no foundation worth a name. There'll be no motivation to go and do God's work and to see God grow his church. There'll be no motivation and there'll be no direction for ministry. Because that direction is going to come from the Lord and from his word. And the final sort of parting thing is there. We need a clear purpose. And next week when we come along, we're going to look at two of the most important passages in the word of God. And from that, we're going to get a clear statement of where God wants his church to go. So don't miss out on the next exciting installment of next week. The purpose-driven church. The five important things where God wants us to grow. And every one of them is of equal importance. Let's have a prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for this time together this morning. We realise there are so many things that we need to learn. And yet you're opening up the word to us in Acts chapter 2. And you're showing us the importance of these five areas of fellowship and discipleship and and ministry and evangelism uh, and direction. All the kind of things that you're showing us. Lord, they're all equally important. And we need to have a balanced view of mission. And we need to be biblical. Lord, will you show us how and lead us on from strength to strength. And we'll be careful to give you the glory. And we pray for the Church of Scotland. As this whole matter comes up at the Assembly in May, we pray for those evangelical ministers and churches that they will just hear from you. And that this Assembly will really nail it biblically and know the way ahead. Lord, will you pray? We pray for the Church in Scotland that you would do a mighty work by the power of your Spirit. We thank you for this church here. We pray, Lord, small though it may be, we may just rejoice that we're here today because people lost their lives. They were martyred that the church might exist. And the blood of the martyrs has become the seed of the church. And the church has kept on growing because you did the growth. Help us, Lord, to sense you're growing in this place, in this area, and even in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.